Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world today, I greet you again too. Wow, what a show. This is the podcast outreach of Rehoboth Institute of the Arts, and we are in a series titled Apples of Gold, Reading Through Proverbs. It has been a wonderful time. We've read through now 20 chapters, and today we're on the 21st. We're so glad that you are joining, that you are listening. You know, you're a very vital part of the show because uh, your comments are so very, very important. And sometimes your comments, many times, many times, add um, add depth to <clears throat> that which we've already uh, commented on or talked about. And so it is a conversation. Everything about Rehoboth Institute's podcast is conversational. We're speaking together, even though you may not be in the studio or you may not be in this place with me. You are listening if you are listening. Your mind is absorbing. You are thinking. You may have questions. You may want to say something about what has been said all of which we welcome, and that creates the fellowship that is the conversation. Thank you so much. Our reader for today is Miss um, Anna Kane. She's in the studio, and uh, I simply said good morning. This is Wild What a Show. I am this morning the co-host, and Anna is our host. She will take us through Good morning. morning. (laughs) This 21st chapter. Good morning. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me fine? I do very clearly. Yes. Thank you. And at this point, I'm going to let you just take it over. Okay. Well, this is a good morning. And I'm just really privileged to be here, Lord, sitting here. And we pray this morning that all the hearers, those who would come and listen to the recording later or this morning, would just know you more, Lord God. Um, You are coming again, and the best we can do is to continue in this working out our salvation, Lord, with fear and trembling and not complacency and not taking your grace for granted, Lord Jesus. So we pray the Proverbs this morning, Proverbs 21, would be light in our lives that we receive. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so this morning is is wonderful. We're gonna go again through the Proverbs where Solomon continues to uh, write about lots of contrast between, I call it this morning, choosing well and choosing poorly, checking ourselves ethically Uh, It ends with a verse that's going to be my favorite for the day, and that speaks to God's sovereignty. And so we'll jump in and start in the King James, and I will do some referencing to um, the New American Standard Bible, just because it already goes on and breaks it down instead of having me uh, put it in my own words. We've got some other good biblical words to put it in, but the verses mean the same, and we thank God for the balance. So Proverbs 21. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. He turneth it, meaning the heart, whithersoever he will. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, 
but the Lord pondereth the hearts. To do justice and judgment is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. And high look and a proud heart and the plowing of the wicked is sin. The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but every one that is hasty only to want. The getting of treasures by a lying tongue is vanity, a vanity tossed to and fro from them that seek death. The robbery of the wicked shall destroy them because they refuse to do judgment. The way of man is froward and strange, but as for the pure, his work is right. It is better to dwell in a corner of the housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. The soul of the wicked desireth evil. His neighbor, excuse me, his neighbor findeth no favor in his eyes. When the scorner is punished, the simple is made wise. And when the wise is instructed, he receiveth knowledge. The righteous man wisely considereth the house of the wicked, but God overthroweth the wicked for their wickedness. Whoso stoppeth his ears at the cry of the poor, he also shall cry himself, but shall not be heard. That's sobering. A gift in secret pacifieth anger, and a reward in the bosom strong wrath, meaning it pacifies wrath. It is a joy to the just to do judgment, but destruction shall be to the workers of iniquity. The man that wandereth out of the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of the dead. And I'll stop there to say it reminded me a little bit of the context last night in which Pastor Thomas spoke about salvation. And in case anyone listened and misunderstood, when he said there's something you've got to do, uh, I, I was reminded that the, the faith, the coming to God in faith and not just sort of squandering what he offers us, but getting in there and obeying the Lord. This sort of reminded me of that. Wandering out of the way, you'll remain in the congregation of the day if we do not walk in the way of understanding. And that, to me, just reminded me of understanding the, what, what, what God is calling us to when we say, I choose you, Lord, and, and not then walking in the path of sin purposely. 17, verse 17 says, He that loveth pleasure shall be a poor man. He that loveth wine and oil shall not be rich. The wicked shall be a ransom for the righteous and the transgressor for the upright. It is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. There is a treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise. But a foolish man spendeth it up. He that followeth after righteousness and mercy findeth life, righteousness and honor. A wise man scaleth the city of the mighty and casteth down the strength of the confidence thereof. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. 
proud and haughty, a proud and haughty scorner uh, is his name who dealeth in proud wrath. The desire of the slothful killeth him, for his hands refuse to labor. He coveteth greedily all the day long, but the righteous giveth and spareth not. The sacrifice of the wicked is abomination. How much more when he bringeth it with a wicked mind? A false witness shall perish, but the man that heareth speaketh constantly. A wicked man hardeneth his face, but as for the upright, he directeth, directeth his way. There is no wisdom, nor understanding, nor counsel against the Lord. The horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. So let's take a look again at a few of the verses. And it helps to remember that every verse can be pondered upon and it behooves us all to then check off a few verses that really resonate with us. But I'll share a few that I thought would be helpful. Uh, it would be helpful to sort of have a small conversation about them, two in particular, I believe. But let's just go back to encouraging ourselves uh, with verse one. King's heart is in the hand of the Lord, um, like the waters, like the rivers of water. He turneth it, meaning that heart, whithersoever he will. The Lord can move the heart of even the king. And I, I just got a quick note, a reminder of Esther, when the Lord softened King Ahasuerus' heart, when she came into the court unsummoned, and it was not heard of, you could not even as one of the wise enter unless you were summoned, unless you were called upon. And Esther was the new queen. <clears throat> we know that, <clears throat> excuse me, God uh, had showed her through her uncle that there was going to be a conspiracy against the Jewish people. And so she goes to entreat the king for favor here. Um, and so that's a beautiful picture um, of the Lord turning the heart of the king, softening it. And, and he even offered her up to half his kingdom. I just thought that was a, worth reading. If you haven't read Esther, you should uh, remember, read that and get a, a picture of that. Moving into verse two, uh, we've heard this every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondered the hearts. I just thought I'd note here um, that maybe it's going to be helpful, practically speaking this morning, when you're considering a large or a small decision, ask yourself, what's my motivation? <laughs> is that okay? Or is my motivation contrary to pleasing God? Is it contrary to what he'd want me to do? So there's a lot this verse can apply to in our lives, every way, you're, you're in a broad sense, the path in which I take to, to, to live. Um, that would be right in my own eyes. And I thought about going down that route, but I thought, no, let's keep it simple this morning. Uh, let's look at even some of the things we do in our everyday life. My response to that person who I really don't like, I know that they're horrible. Maybe I just want to be short and, you know, I don't want to really respond. Uh, is my motivation right? I, I will share with you, I had a quick phone call this week, last week, and from someone who I thought was just, uh, ugly and unreasonable, and I decided I'm glad I'm not going to be working with this person anymore. Uh, it was a, an outside job, outside of my job, and I enjoyed the work, but I just thought it was very ugly, and I thought she really just showed herself. <laughs> and then I was, you know, asked to do some presentations, had to work, 
with her at a distance, but I kept my distance. This time I said, oh, she's got a question for me. I could hardly believe it, something to help her. But I just softened right up and I gave. And at the end of the conversation, I remember she said, um, you know, one of the things she thanked me for, you know, the time. And I, I did, I started offering uh, bits of information I thought would be helpful as she moved along. And she said, I thank you for your generosity. And I just thought, God, that's all you. <laughs> because I said, you know, I really want to go in the other direction. You, you know, figure why call me? But the generosity of the Lord shone through because I chose to put him ahead of my feelings. So, you know, even that way that I could have chosen in the flesh, I tried not to, and God showed himself beautiful. Uh, three, Amen. I'm going to take a I, and I tell you, we need that, right? A t- testimony is all to you, the glory to God. <laughs> I can see why people say that all the time. Glory to God, <laughs> because that's how it ends up being. Um, three, I'm going to uh, kind of stop here for a second. That's why I said there are a few I really want to highlight. And three, we're going to grapple with this in a way that um, I have not exactly, except there's a a, a scripture, it's in Samuel, uh, and it says obedience is better than sacrifice. And I have heard my mother say that a couple times growing up. I've heard it in a few other contexts. And I used to say, wow, you know, it it wasn't a big challenge, but I really pondered over that one, um, not even knowing where it was all those years ago in the Bible. And not knowing in what context it was said, but I thought sacrifice is so great. You know, obedience is good too, but the fact that obedience is better than sacrifice, well, what if you sacrifice something really large? And, you know, what if it required that you didn't obey? Or just what if you didn't obey, but you sacrificed? You know, so I'm looking at it from all these angles over the years. And then I, today, so I'm going to try to uh, let myself and, and everyone see where I've come to, but I've sort of tried to articulate it. Um, looking at the words in verse three, uh, to do justice. Now, this is not the Samuel scripture. This is Proverbs 21, three, but it's akin and it reminded me of the better, you know, to uh, obedience is better than sacrifice scripture in Samuel. To do justice and judgment. I thought, let's start there. To do justice and to do judgment. I know those words get tossed around all the time. So I'm going to ask all of us to act like we've never heard of the word justice and we've never heard of the word judgment. <laughs> let's look at justice in this context. If you render to everyone, and I quote, uh, rendering to everyone his just due, end quote, meaning justice may be in a legal sense. Uh, or justice in a, say, a financial sense. Um, uh, there were some times when it didn't, something didn't seem to be just, for instance, when the workers in the field were all paid the same at the end of the day, and the beginning one said, hey, they got the same as we got, um, but we've been working here all day longer, you know, and they were reminded that I, you know, would give and, and basically bless in the way that I deemed, you know, fit. <laughs> but look at justice in terms of giving everyone his just due. So what is going to be, say, lawfully, do to you, but let's not equate it with equity, which in the social scene today, I think a lot of words like justice are just become synonyms for every other phrase and every other word, anything that seems to speak to fairness or whatever, they're all used interchangeably. And that's not a good deal if we're going to use language rightly. Um, Don't equate it with equity, 
which is basically, and I, I deal with it in, in a lots of student work, particularly in social work and psychology, um, referring to, you know, providing fair, um, a fair deal in individual circumstances or even collective circumstances. So having equity amongst my students. Um, but let's look at it as giving my students, for instance, you know, they're just due. Uh, in terms of um, what they have coming to them, so to speak, depending on the individual um, circumstance, doing what positive law, and I quote that, I like the way that's put, positive law demands. So it's not that someone's trying to, you know, looking, doing justice. Do we do justice? Are we, you know, under the umbrella of a positive law, not one meant to suppress and not one meant to, you know, to, to skew the truth, but under regular positive laws for, for all, are we rendering to everyone is just due? So it says to do justice and judgment. Now, justice and judgment are going to be, you know, brother and sister, not even cousins. They're, they're, they're going to be uh, connected with one another. Let's look at judgment away from justice. Christ gave and this is me, uh, Christ gave his sacrifice. God received his sacrifice. And again, this is what Anna is coming to as I read this proverb. And the outcome, as I see it, is judgment. Meaning Christ's sacrifice was required of God, the judge, as opposed to us being able to pay for sort of the, the ramifications of our sin, being born in sin, only the pure, perfect one. And God, and you know, in his miraculous way, really extended himself in the sun and came down to earth and became our sacrifice. So Christ, our brother, Christ, our savior, gives the sacrifice. God, the father, the creator, receives it. The outcome is judgment meaning the ultimate judgment, let's say, consider Jesus saying in the New Testament when he says, if you want to sort of get a picture of that, Jesus says, light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. So it seems like in the judgment, there's an execution of holy righteousness, meaning why? In a nutshell, light has come into the world, but men love the darkness instead of the light. And so the judgment will come on that particular choice that we have made. The final judgment and execution of holy righteousness. And that then is even greater than the sacrifice. Yet judgment is connected to the sacrifice on the cross. So without making this difficult, I just thought, let's talk about these two words in this context, just justice, giving everyone is just due. Okay, judgment, looking at that final judgment, because we don't choose rightly. And so then when we're judged, God is justified in giving us the reward we receive. It's a righteous just ju judgment, and we chose unrighteousness. So practically speaking, for us, to do obedience, looking back at the scripture, to do justice and to do judgment, to me, sounds like it's saying do obedience. Christ achieved them both. At the cross, Christ achieved both justice and the judgment comes 
um, in light of what he did in his sacrifice, he was able to achieve both. Now we aren't, but practically speaking, if we obey, if we do justice and we do judgment, um, rightly in our own living, outwardly and inwardly, that is better than our sacrifice. That's how I had to sort of look at that in terms of why is sacrifice not better? Why isn't sacrifice better or just as good? The Lord, uh, in the, the other verse, it, it actually says to do righteousness and judgment is desired by the Lord more than sacrifice. Because ultimately, obedience that Christ showed us through his sacrifice and his giving uh, is what the Lord, uh, I'm sorry, it, it actually it ended up being um, satisfying what he needed for judgment. So the sacrifice was necessary, but the justice and the judgment that comes out of that is greater in the end. So it's a little bit of a rosebud that needs unfolding. But at the same time, for me, it helped me to understand obedience is better than sacrifice. And obedience this morning, I'm equating with doing justice and doing judgment, kind of following in the way God's doing it in terms of this entire experience that we have in living. And that is more acceptable to him in the end. That's going to be the acceptable thing in the end, um, even over what we sacrifice. And it, it, it can be a little hard because in our practical everyday life, we look at sacrifice like, oh, I sacrifice not doing certain things to give to my children. And we count that as it's a pat on the back as being a mom or a dad. I sacrificed not having something so somebody else could do something. I gave, you know, extra money. So I sacrificed what I was going to do with it to help you out. And then when people don't do us rightly, we remind them of our sacrifice. <laughs> like, you know, like I did this, this accounts for so much. But if we take time, maybe this week, everyone can understand the scripture in the way God would reveal it to them. We can maybe work on why is justice and judgment? Why is obedience better than sacrifice? And sacrifice is so seemingly great. And it is. But everything in its proper place brings us to where God wants us to be. And so I hope that wasn't confusing. The next comment I have won't oh. be confusing. But I thought I'd delve into that in a way that makes us all study. Oh, that was excellent. <laughs> You, that was just an eye-opener. Thank you. Thank you. I, I pray, and, and again, it's, it's worth us all sort of studying. And um, I love it when God says, hey, go study, you know, go ponder over something. So praise God for that. Um, and again, if I'm reminded of what Pastor Thomas said last night about how we put so much into our jobs, we're going to complete tasks, and I'm paraphrasing, but you know, we, we do a lot to please our leaders and our, our, our bosses and our everything in the world. As we know, there's a consequence. <laughs> but when it comes sometimes, mm -hmm. we get really lazy when it's like, well, am I going to put in the time for this understanding? If God is asking me uh, for a return, you know, am I going to we, we get a little lazy? We, we, are we taking him for granted? What, what is this? The final outcome is grave. It is grave. Mm. It is more grave than do I lose my job? Or am I going to get written up? Or are they going to kick me off the team? So again, I admonish all of us to like um, 
take that time that we give to the world and put it to good use so that we know him. Um, work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Period. Amen. I don't think I want to change the words this morning. It's fear and trembling. And that works for me because he's already given me mm. enough cushion and padding and cotton ball living. Even when I've been sad and suffering and had lack, I still need to work out my salvation with fear and trembling. What he has given to me, I better take note of it because it is not a light thing. So let's move down quickly to one that we like. Uh, we, we love this one. And I heard Phyllis laughing about it the other day. <laughs> so I thought, yeah, let's highlight it again. <laughs> 9 and 19. We're going to go verse 9 and 19. It is better to dwell in the corner of the housetop. Meaning I just got this little spot and I had to go up on the roof because I didn't want to be downstairs <laughs> with the brawling woman in a wide house with plenty of space. I love it down there. It's comfortable. But Lord, she just takes up all of it. I'm getting out of here. And we're going to leave it there. 19 says, it is better to dwell in the wilderness. I'm going out. I, I'm going to be outside in the forest than to stay in here with your contention and you're angry about everything. And there, this is just being reiterated now by Solomon. They must have had a lot of that going on. I can imagine with all those wives, he should have had it all going on. Um, so eventually people like the women get, you know, we get a little riled up. We're like really bothered about a lot of things. But he's like, um, it, I'd rather be somewhere far away that might even be uncomfortable than to be around you. And I think I commented uh, the other day that I consider this with the sons that I have in the house. So if you know any sons or have any sons or even brothers, I'm not saying women take everything better, but I notice in my own life that my sons are more put off by certain things I say than my daughter, who seems to have a quieter and a more in-depth understanding of where I'm coming from, even if she didn't want to hear. So the contention, even the frustration, put your word on it. Uh, I can't help that. Maybe in the psyche of the man, the way God has fashioned him in, in a general sense, doesn't that doesn't that doesn't speak to him. And the way he digests that might be different than the way we can digest it and move forward. And so I have really learned to take note of that when having conversations with my children, even when they're being the unreasonable ones, I at least try to ask myself, am I sounding angry? Am I contentious? And when I'm just being firm and in the right place, I stand there. I don't move. But when I can say I'm being this woman, I try to start over. <laughs> Or I don't take that approach. So if that helps us, we, we can always be helped in that area. Uh, let's move on to a, a few more and then we will talk together. Let's go to 20 and 5. Talking about labor, you know, making a wise choice. 20 says, verse 20 and, and Proverbs 21, verse 20 says, There is a treasure to be desired and oil. In the dwelling of the wise, there is treasure there, there is oil there, there is sufficiency there, there is substance there, 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 there's, there are resources there. But a foolish man spends up everything he's got. Five says, the thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness. So those contemplations over um, uh, those wise decisions that we sort of go through and the things we talk about in, my, in, in terms of being diligent to planning, uh, in, in the financial sense, 
um, it tends to us having, but everyone that's hasty is it, it only tends to want. And so just a quick note, you know, foolish way to increase financial. There's a foolish way to increase financially. That's that hasty getting. And I'm, I'm always reminded of people who try to get rich quick or, and I, I say it with a heavy heart, it's not a subject I can really think about without wincing. Uh, I think of kids selling drugs in the street and even someone I know who was just, it could do that, but it's trying to go the right way, just lacked understanding. And I'm just trying to hang in there with him, went to college, didn't do, you know, and just take the easy way out. And it's always for this monetary superficial way of living. If I get this stuff, I'd kind of have some arrival. Why should I have to work so hard? Ah, uh, you know, because I didn't get everything. Every interview didn't work out. Then you get a job, and for your own reasons, you leave it. You know, like it's, it's not like anybody forced you away from it. So I, I think about that increasing in a hasty way, and that's just one area that some of our young men get, uh, you know, get caught up into that get rich quick, and, and it just destroys them in more than one way. So um, that's foolish. Um, the unwise person loses his resources through unwise spending, okay? And that's a broader uh, sense, in a broader sense, uh, unwise spending on not planning well with what we have, using it up rather quickly instead of having that oil and kind of, you know, rationing through our resources in a way that we need to, depending upon what you have there, you have something as opposed to now having nothing. So contemplation, contemplation on financial matters is wise. Okay, over trying to always get gain quickly. The wise has resources and treasure, okay? That treasure, those resources I'm calling them, whether it be money or a cow or a chicken, whatever you have that brings in, that's a resource. These are financial things in my eyes. But the foolish person just keeps on spending. Very difficult to save, very difficult to ration out. I remember raising my kids when I was younger and I do kind of remember what I usually typically spent when I went to the grocery store, but there were times when really, if I knew this would satisfy their meal for tomorrow, we didn't eat it. <laughs> you know, um, we waited until the next day and I, you know, it was necessary, but I grew a lot in many ways having to do that. Um, so we ate, um, even if we didn't eat like other people, I had to use the resources I had. And then moving along, and we will close rather quickly. Um, verse 23, moving in another direction. Again, Solomon's just, he's teaching his son all he needs to know about living and choosing wisely. 23 says, whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keeps his soul from troubles. And that reminded me of one I've known for many years. He who keepeth his tongue keepeth his life. Uh, and that's sort of a paraphrase. Um, I think it's another proverb. So watching our mouths, you know, not talking so much. And um, I did get from my mother growing up that you talk too much. And, and in one sense, maybe the talking too much wasn't getting me in trouble, but it was still a lot of talking. In another sense, though, you can be in places and settings where you are talking too much um, or talking too much to the parent. Maybe that's what she meant. <laughs> like, would you be quiet? And I found myself really having to tell my own kids sometimes, if you would just quiet down, I have learned that just not having anything else to say would do a whole lot in the, for you in the mind <laughs> and in the spirit. Like, so 
to watch your mouth, but in a broader context, text out of, you know, mother child, keeping your tongue, what you're going to say in certain settings, how much you always feel like you have to contribute to the information being provided. Some people always like to chime in on something or you said too much and it gets you in trouble or you're saying something to an enemy. You're not being wise and approaching that enemy. We talked about that in another proverb. Maybe you're just, you're, you're not watching your mouth. You're not watching your words. You're not considering whether you should say something or not say something. How about that? What should I say? What should I not say? <laughs> um, and so we want to be mindful of that. And I think over here, uh, if that's 20, excuse me, I just like to sometimes give it to you. If that's 23, it also says, he who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul, okay, from troubles. So just guarding what I say. Uh, and another context, when we're talking to one another, is this the time I should tell my friend or my family member what I think of that. Uh, am I, you know, is this the right moment? Uh, guarding my tongue even from perverse language, guarding myself from joining in perverse joking, guarding myself from a whole lot of things. So in the context of what we're saying, there are lots of things to consider here. Let's try, you know, to apply each of us where it fits best in our experience this morning. And finally, let's close out with God being the sovereign one. It says uh, in 2130, there is no wisdom nor understanding against, uh, nor there is no wisdom nor understanding nor counsel against the Lord. And I love that one. It reminds me of something a woman who I took care of a little bit uh, of her life uh, used to say she was suffering from Alzheimer's and after a while she didn't say a lot in a coherent way but before she stopped speaking fully coherently she would say God will prevail if I asked her something and I tried to let her be my sort of <laughs> advisor for a minute you know and um, she would just say God will prevail God will prevail and I would go, yeah, mm -hmm. right. And I always wanted her to say more like, okay, so encourage me, you know, like, <laughs> but um, <laughs> she would just end it there. And I do, I didn't have the pleasure of knowing her at all in her earlier days. I don't know to what degree she knew God or not, but she knew that. And I started letting that be okay. And I would say, you're right, God will prevail. And sometimes I would go there with a heavy heart and just want to break down and cry. But when she said, God will prevail, I was like, you will prevail. Mm. And so here, um, 30, there is no mm. wisdom, there is no understanding, and no counsel against the Lord. I think also if people who think they know so much, they got their little books from our little wonderfully made, right, in God's image, atheists who keep trying to you know, they basically just complain and talk and, and, and call Christians name. Even in these books, they do it. You can sense it. You can feel it. They're just trying to say you're ridiculous. But your understanding of God's world that he's letting you observe, your understanding, your wisdom, your peeling back of what he already did, your dismissal of, you know, everything that you don't have an answer to. So instead of facing him face to face with your bold self, you just, you know, 
dismiss it and move on in your own confidence. But at the end of the day, there's no counsel that you can give us that's against God. He will prevail. And the last verse says that horse, you know, our armies and all we've got going is prepared. Yeah. Against the day of battle, but the safety is of God. Period. We prepare. He gives us opportunity but you can't even go in all prepared and full of your worldly armor if he does not provide the safety. He showed us that a few times when he did a miraculous thing with his own people and, and delivering their enemies into their hands. Sometimes they didn't even do hardly anything. Walking around a wall and shouting won't go well in any war I know of, but they prevailed and God gave them a unique way of conquering and he has done it. And that's, that's the sovereign Lord. So as Solomon gives us what, you know, he wanted to give his own, God wanted to impart in us a way to look at the consequences of behavior, to seek understanding. He repeats himself so many times again, it's going to be a fearful thing to stand before him when I keep seeing him repeat himself. So let's take heart today and dig in. As mm. Steve Brown used to say, let's dig in to the word of God. <laughs> All right. Praise be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Ooh. <clears throat> what can I say but thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Honor, you have thank really... You, Mm-hmm. Caused us to dig, contemplate deeper, not dig deeper, because you did the digging. But we we look in with you and ask the Lord to make it real, truly, truly yeah. help us to understand. Absolutely. Wow, what a show is all about recognizing the daily, nightly performance of God in the world and on our behalf see all of this that we see the glory that emits from his creation is for the good of man every time except when of course there is perversity and sin that absolutely causes the space that people occupy to reject them that is also a mystery in his creation. Mm -hmm. Mm. Father, if you will just allow us to understand. I just love that Pastor Thomas and that Anna has brought out some points this morning that seem so, I don't know, a part of what we believe anyway, and yet our lives do not demonstrate that we really do believe it. There is no counsel against God. There's nothing you can say ever that I think and that I want it to be this way or I just don't understand why God would do a thing, they have absolutely no weight with God. See, he is not insecure, nor is he trying to prove himself to us and make us see what he's already shown us. Hallelujah. His love is everlasting. Once you set your love on him, he is, has already been there and will never change. You just keep coming. You see, you just keep walking. And God is there too. If you desire him, oh, it's really good. 
Anna, I just uh, I, I'm still trying to deal with justice and judgment. We could have had that. That could have been one. <laughs> that could have been one complete hour. And then this idea of the counsels of God, and then making sure that you are not living about what is it with us that we want to be in in outward show more than we are on the inside. You know, I really, I, I have this this conversation with, you know, my dear uh, Tad, my uh, husband. Uh, <laughs> you make the outside beautiful, and I appreciate that. You work out, he works outside every day. But I said to him over and over again, but we live on the inside. If you would put that same energy on the inside and then go outside, the whole thing would be just what you want it to be. You see the cleanliness, the beauty, the, the glory. Now he does work on the inside, but his preference is always on the outside. Of course, it's open air and sunshine and all that stuff. But honest to goodness, for me, it's the metaphor of life. First yeah. on the inside. And Jesus Christ, after his resurrection and in his um, teaching, the disciples told them first in Jerusalem, go to the household, go first here. He he himself didn't go past uh, the cities of Jerusalem. He never traveled like Paul did because he was working on the inside. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And once you get it on the inside, you can take it to the world. And the world will receive, not everybody, but those to whom it is appointed, those whose hearts are open and and searching we are searching god is good thank you father for this word this morning it has been absolutely delicious thank you jesus oh taste and see that the lord he is good amen he is good he is good he is good his truth is everlasting his love is everlasting you know, his mercy is everlasting. His justice and his equity never change because he never changes. He never changes. And all of these attributes are bound in him. Hallelujah. What can we say? But good, 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 good. I'm sorry, guys. I was so filled myself with the uh, exposure of of these deep treasures that I um. I'm failing to read your comments, and I do want to do that. And I'm going back, and Anna, you can uh, just hear these. They are all uh, accolades for what we've heard this morning. And, and praise God that, you know, the hearts of us, the listener, are open and are able to receive and to touch and to say amen. Uh, thank you this morning, all of you. Wow, think of positive law. Just think about it. That's right, positive law. Are our laws positive? Absolutely not. They're denigrating. They are uh, oh. uh, oppressive. They are mean-spirited. And if you've never been to a courtroom, you do well. Just watch Judge Judy on the, on the thing. How mean-spirited. You know, just how some of these judge shows, you look and say, Oh, God, please never let me go before these people because the, their spirit comes off as, you know, it's not enough that people are being judged anyway. 
by you know people who don't really have uh, insight. That God considers the whole of who you are. God is looking into your heart. A, a, an earthly judge can't do that. And there, there is just one judge. I read a story on him not too long ago who endeavors to do that. Up in, I think he's in like Maine or uh, somewhere, some small town in Maine. But most of the judges don't, they don't do it. They don't care to do it. The power is there. Great and deep points. Absolutely. New way to talk about justice. Excellent. Beautiful. Uh, and we have several likes to the show, of course. Mm. Sister Reem says, hence, study to show thyself approved. That's for me today. Amen. And when you said you love it when the Lord causes you to ponder a thing, yeah, you just sit there, right? And you just keep pondering and pondering. And sometimes it comes in and just comes like a flood. And then sometimes you have to ponder a few days, even a few months. But God comes eventually and gives you the depths of it. That deep dive was good for me, sis. That's from Sister Reams. <laughs> and of course, great points. <laughs> and Sister Reams says, my experience is totally different with my children. My sons challenge me very gently if they must. My sweet daughters couldn't make me mm -hmm. with a hatchet. Isn't that something? Right. Well, we, know we, can always, <laughs> yeah. we can always flip these teachings over. <laughs> we can flip That's them over sometimes. <laughs> yeah. um, I want to make a quick... Go ahead. Yeah, I, before you close out, I wanted to make a quick note about something you just said. So thank you, um, Sister Reams. I know some faces here I, I don't know. <laughs> but um, going back to what you just said about that, and I know I made the comment on positive law. I do like that wording. But I, I also wanted to add to that because I, I feel like I work in a place where uh, even my younger uh, acquaintances you know, they, they actually are, I read something here recently, and, and unfortunately, even with their, there are things that are not good, obviously, because there always have been, but there are some things that are good in terms of, uh, in terms of law and order in a general sense that, that, ha that, that actually are, but what you said, I think hit home to what I think bothers us and our experiences, and that is maybe the spirit of a person. Um, you know, the spirit in which law is applied um, from whomever it's coming from. If you take a, a similar scenario and you go into the court, so to speak, or a room or something of someone with a different spirit and a different maybe motivation and attitude, you would get a different experience. Even if an outcome were the same, your experience with that would be different. So you're what, the experience with justice or the experience with judgment would be different, right? The experience with, um, so I, I, I um, know that sometimes I sort of stand ringing this bell when most people around me are ringing another bell. I don't think that we want to accidentally mix in what is good law, um, even in the sight of God, and mix that in with people who are, um, their motivations and their spirits are out of line. And so the experience that they offer to the world is different than an experience, say, under uh, in a different, with a different person behind it. So I, um, I sort of stutter over that, and I really shouldn't because I'm saying, Lord Jesus, 
you know, you, you gave law in the beginning. We wouldn't know law had you not actually introduced mm -hmm. it to the world, except for the law of the heart and the conscience. You did give us that. Absolutely. It was already working and functioning. But in terms of the written laws, you gave that. And some people don't think those are just. They don't think those are fair. They don't think those are good. They pick and choose really what, a, what I think works well in my experience, I think is good. What I don't think works well in my experience, I don't think is good. But it doesn't mean what they're saying is truth. It just means they just have an opinion about the law. <laughs> so I like to put a footnote in there to help balance things out in case we chuck everything and throw it out the window and we're not discerning on when certain things actually are there and they do have, there is a, they're under the umbrella of what just God intended because lots of things even he gives to us they're hard. Some things I'm saying, they're hard sayings, but they're not wrong sayings. And they are good in the long run, even when they don't feel good in the short run. And um, so I, that's a footnote for what it's worth to anybody. Uh, yes, it is not to denounce the law. It is to denounce the bias, unmerciful, unkind spirit of those who execute it. However, we are still, uh, we're not living under the uh, the just law of Jesus Christ. I mean, we should be. And our, our laws actually come out of the ancient traditions of law, but they do change and they are many times in need of repair. Uh, but that's a good point. And by all means, the law is the law. And what I didn't say is, a person is standing there to be judged as has been judged and the spirit continues to denigrate and to oppress and to destroy the spirit of. And I don't believe that that um, is a right way to do something, uh, even even to the dastardly, you know, um, but nonetheless. There's scripture for that. Truly. There's scripture for that one, too. And I think it came out of a, a proverb that was passed by. I was trying to find it just now. If you want to balance it, mm -hmm. there's a scripture for that, too, <laughs> to support what you just said. So God has constantly yeah. given us a, a, a balance. Thank you, Lord. Amen. He is. And at some point, the Sister Reem says, um, ouch, you stepped on my toes there, uh, teacher. On my corn, sister teacher, I participated in some unwise spending. I've had to pay the consequences later. Yes, uh, unwise spending does really, really cause us great regret. I love that. And that's my takeaway from today. Light Touch says, I, I don't know what that was in reference to, but God be praised. Amen. A really good show. Um, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Many claps came. Excellent show, says Sister Reams. Thank you so much. God bless. I have to go now. I have a doctor's appointment. May the Lord God go before you or go before Sister Rima and uh, be her, her physician. Oh, Father, we pray for the good health of everyone who is seeking you, for everyone who has received your redemption. Father, be our doctor, be our teacher, be our lawyer. We pray for it this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. And we welcome Julian Ryan uh, to the studio. 
Hello, people. <laughs> uh, we are sorry that you are coming at the end of our reading. We read from the 21st chapter of the book of Proverbs this morning and touched on some really deep and needful uh, ponderings from these from the, from these verses so that uh, hopefully you will read it and join us again this evening at 830 when we shall again read Proverbs chapter 21 and hear a, a bit of comment. We don't do as much in the evening as we do in the morning, but we shall indeed try to revisit some of the points that were made today because they were excellent. And, and we really, um, I did anyway, I did taste of the Lord's goodness and his mercy, his judgment and justice and equity. It was well done and I don't think I can do it as well. So to all of you who are here, I pray again that the Lord will recompense our, our teacher this morning, the reader teacher this morning in ways that she has given to us, that God will replenish the store of his wisdom and understanding and provide abundantly for her daily life. Father, we thank you that you bless her children. God, that they become absolutely the little pearls, Lord God, of our lives. That's what moms want. That's all we want. That's all we uh, live for. After we become mothers is wisdom. Most of us, I should say, the average is to give to our children such that they become a generation that will continue to exalt, praise, and be obedient to the, the ways of our God. Father, we ask that you would plant in us every word that is spoken, that we may grow thereby and truly become your children. And if we are yours and living according to your leading, your guiding, and being transformed, the world will know that we have a father and that our father is the father of all things, that he is a God of love. He's a God of justice and equity and judgment and benefit that we could go on and on mercy. He's just a God who delivers. Thank you, Lord. We can say so because you see, we are the redeemed and have lived to, to uh, experience all that you give. Well, not all, but we're, we're in the throes of experiencing it all. May the young people, Lord God, come to you and know you fully in every way. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. And as I say at the end of every one of our uh, live cast, we have dined sufficiently. We have truly enjoyed the, the sweets and the delicacies that only God can give. <laughs> Nobody can cook it up quite like him. Remember, there is no counsel against God, none. And here we go. I hope you have a really wonderful day or afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world. May the Lord our God be with you always. And I hope you return. Remember, we meet in the evenings at 8.30, a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then we meet at 9 o'clock every morning except Sunday. We have one reading Sunday and that at 2 o'clock. Be blessed and we hope to see you again. This has been, wow, what a show. 
Your reader this morning was Anna Kane, and I am the host, Phyllis. God bless you. We look forward to being with you again, and thank you so much for wandering into our studio or coming on purpose. And as Pastor John Thomas would say, be blessed on purpose. Look for it. Find the blessing of God. It's surely there to be taken. See you now. <laughs>